Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. I am Mike Leon. And you can also feel free to call me if you get lost. Shout out to Tyler, the creator. I'm Nick Severi. Man, I want to snip that out so bad. All right. On the program today, Nick, my travel planner, and he's also the governor of my state, Ron DeSantis. He's got a fantastic trip planned for me and my family. More on that in a bit if you haven't been following the story of what Governor DeSantis has been doing, organizing flights for migrants. Uh, organizing is a strong word. Uh, plus, later on in the program, Anna Wolf will be joining us from the MississippiToday.org. You can check out her work over there. She has done a fantastic job breaking this story about how former NFL quarterback Brett Favre worked directly with former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant on redirecting welfare funds to build a, let me check my notes here, a volleyball stadium? Is that right? This incredible story and the reporter who broke the story, Anna Wolf, later on in the program. It's, it's a crazy story. And shout out to her and the team over there for the reporting that they're doing on this. And we wanted to spotlight it because it should be getting more attention, excuse me, as my voice cracks there. Uh, housekeeping notes, as always, October 27th. I've mentioned this a bunch of times on the program. Live show, Washington, D.C., City Tap House over in Penn Quarter. Come on down between 5 to 7 p.m. Mark it on your calendars right now. Take out your phone, mark it in your calendars. And speaking of taking out your phone, Hit subscribe, follow the show, leave us a five-star view and comment across audio podcast platforms. We'd love to hear from you. Nick, I've gotten some great feedback. I want to shout out the folks over at Good Pods that listen to the, the show, uh, Jill, Mick, Vinny. We've gotten some comments from different people over on Good Pods that are listening to the different episodes. We've gotten, even in our first segment, we're going to talk about Governor Ron DeSantis, an immigration attorney, pinged us recently on some stuff that I'm going to read later on, but 
A lot of great feedback from different people about the program. How are you doing, my friend? I haven't talked to you in a few days. I haven't seen you on camera. We're not going to get into the Raiders. Don't even mention that. They stink. Uh, how are you doing? Well, aside from our team in Las Vegas, I'm I'm good. I'm good. We're we're just as always, man. Good here. Weather's great. Um, just election time is coming up, so we're you know my wife and I were talking about are we going to do the mail in? Am I going to go in person? We're kind of you know getting that all squared away uh, as every person should be doing. So all good on RN in Pennsylvania. How are you all doing in Florida? I'm good. Yeah. It's funny that you say that we posted something on the show account that it was uh, national voter registration day the other day. So if you are not registered to vote, go register to vote. It takes a couple seconds. Go to your state website. Um, I'm doing good, man. I, I mentioned about the, another housekeeping note. Uh, we hit that docu-series. We started doing some prelim shooting on it. I want to shout out Florida International University, Dr. Jorge Dewani, that's down there uh, in the Cuban Studies Department. Uh, we did a fantastic interview with him. Uh, we're going to play some of the snippets of that. And then I did some informal focus groups, uh, talking to a different, different voters, different people from within the Latino community, and also some other folks of different ethnicities and backgrounds uh, throughout Miami. Um, just really talking about where they stand politically, ranking some issues in terms of importance to them. That'll be a part of this docu-series, but we're going to play some snippets as we get closer to the midterms, as we start to look really at what voters are paying attention to issue-wise and what matters. And there's some pretty uh, pretty good responses. Uh, one person that was a conservative, that his parents have been conservative his whole life, started to shift a little bit more moderate. And he explained why. We'll play that clip coming up. But I want to shout out all the people over there at FIU that, that were helping us as part of that shoot. It was, it was a lot of fun. And speaking of Florida, I want to transition into our first segment because I mentioned this, Nick. If if you need a travel agent, I think Ron DeSantis has a fantastic job, you know, waiting in the wings if he doesn't win in November against Charlie Chris. If you haven't heard the issues that have happened over the last week or so with migrants that were flown on a flight to Martha's Vineyard that was all set up by the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, well, now the group of migrants, about 50 in total, have worked with a civil rights law firm to file a federal class action suit uh, a couple of days ago against the governor for transporting them from San Antonio, Texas to Martha's Vineyard with a stop in between to Florida without shelter or resources in place. The firm is called Lawyers for Civil Rights in conjunction with the migrant-led nonprofit Alianza Americas. They filed the suit on behalf of these migrants because, as they told NPR, and I'm reading according to NPR right now, they were fraudulently induced to travel across state lines by DeSantis and the state of Florida. And the legal action, obviously, comes down, uh, and this all took place last week. I want you to hear a little bit, Nick, from the attorney, uh, Rachel Self, who was representing the migrants uh, when they first got to Martha's Vineyard. This is what she said later that night after you know being on the ground and talking to migrants and kind of setting up a statement for the public. Take a listen to this. They were told there was a surprise present for them and that there would be jobs and housing awaiting for them when they arrived. This was obviously a sadistic lie. Not only did those responsible for this stunt know that there was no housing and no employment awaiting the migrants, they also very intentionally chose not to call ahead to any single office authority on Martha's Vineyard so that even the most basic human needs arrangements could be made. So that was the attorney, like I mentioned, Rachel Self, that, that is working in conjunction with this group and Alianza Americas. 
Um, also, Governor DeSantis later on, hours after, you know, this criminal investigation had been announced, of course, where does he go for his outlet to tell his side of the story? If there is a side to tell, we'll get into that in a second. Governor DeSantis appeared on Sean Hannity's program, a show that I worked upon. I worked on once upon a time uh, over on Fox News. Take a listen to what the governor said in response to some of this. Well, Sean, it's really frustrating because, you know, you've been covering this millions of people since Biden's been president illegally coming across the southern border. Did they freak out about that? No. You've had migrants die in the Rio Grande. You had 50 uh, die in Texas in a trailer because they were being neglected. Was there a freak out about that? No, there wasn't. You've had criminal aliens get across that southern border and victimize Americans, killing some, raping some. Was there any type of outrage about that? No. So you heard a little bit of the governor there, obviously hitting on a few buzzwords, blaming the president. Um, Nick, we talked in our last episode with Texas Tribune uh, political correspondent Patrick Svitek, and we were talking in the context of Governor Abbott doing this, right, and the busing of migrants. A little bit different situation there. And again, we've talked to Lauren Grand from the El Paso Times, and she mentioned this, right, major transportation hubs. These migrants come into like an El Paso or places along the Texas border that are not big from a transportation standpoint. So the fact that he's busing them to D.C. or wherever it is, while it may seem political in nature, it is a way to get them to a transportation hub. Obviously, he should be busing them to Houston or Dallas, you can argue, right? Make it a shorter trip. Um, But we know why he's doing this from a political standpoint. But regardless whether they get bused there or not, it's still a major transportation hub where they can get to the city that they're supposed to go to as they await whatever they're awaiting in terms of a trial. Um, But this is a little bit different because these were migrants that were not in the state of Florida. These were migrants that were in the state of Texas. And they were lied to by somebody representing the state of Florida, saying that there was, or maybe not representing the state of Florida, we'll find out as the facts come out, um, that said that, get on these flights. There was a brochure that had been circulated that was verified from a political reporter that was able to uncover this. And the, and the pamphlet really stated a bunch of different things that would happen once they got there. They were promised that they were going to go to Boston, not Martha's Vineyard. They were promised jobs, housing, similar to everything that the immigration attorney there, Rachel Self, said. Um, and now we find out, like I said, these are not migrants from Florida. A, a large majority of them, by the way, Venezuelans escaping everything that's happening there in Venezuela. And so they go from Texas, pit stop in Florida, what, I don't know why, maybe a refuel, and then to Martha's Vineyard where they were left there and wandering around, no English spoken, right? Trying to figure out where they are. And then eventually a church there in Martha's Vineyard was able to help out with housing and shelter while this was uh, arranged. And then the, the local uh, attorneys all descended upon there and started helping these folks get ready to, as Rachel Self there, I don't know if she said it in that clip, but um, a lot of these folks had hearings the next day, had to get to different places coming up or else they were going to get sent back. What do you make of everything overall that not only I just said there, but what's happening to a lesser extent in Texas, because it hasn't involved chartered flights like this was from the state of Florida. But what do you make of everything that's happening, playing out with these migrants being redirected to places where Washington, D.C., Delaware, the home of the of, of the summer home of President Biden? These are places where, you know, the officials that they are drawing the ire of are there. The migrants are being sent there. What do you make of all of this? You know, it's sad. Um, I mean, what I'm 
something I make of it is that it's not it's not unprecedented. Uh, you know, folks, I would direct you all over to NPR, um, who had shared a, a powerful story and then later had talked about it on one of their programs uh, about the reverse Freedom Riders. Uh, we're all familiar with the Freedom Riders, folks. They would come from the north down to the south uh, to to take up the battle uh, for civil rights. Um, in a turn, in reverse of it, really mocking it, um, you had Southern lawyers, you had politicians who basically were lying to black people about opportunities up north, um, particularly heading up in the 60s to meet John Kennedy and to have jobs available. If you head over to NPR, you'll see that story about one particular family, multiple children um, and a mom who just wanted a better life for her family, um, being told that getting up there, they meet the president. They have all you know these amazing opportunities. And as you read it, you know, I have it in front of me as I'm talking about this. It's very eerily similar to what this governor has done in Florida. You know, I'll be honest, when I first heard about it, I'm not surprised. This has been the move by Republicans. Um, you know, this idea of let's just move human people, let's move humans from one place to the other, just as a as a political football to make some kind of warped statement um, about. I don't even know what about because you're not valuing human lives when you do that. But in this particular case, what I didn't realize until re- reading the stories recently is now you have a governor of a different state going into another state to take people, lie to them, and then send them up somewhere to a democratic area or a democratically led area. Well, what are we doing? Like it's one thing if you it's one thing if you want to be transparent and say, look, there's opportunities elsewhere. We'll get you there. That's one thing. I still have issues with it, like you gave about Texas. But to outright lie to people and then send media, or at least send a way of filming it, you have basically just made this into a sick cartoon. You're taking these people, you lie to them, you make sure you have all the photos and all the media captured to do what? To just pound your chest or touch yourself and say, look what I've done. I've owned the libs. You know what's especially offensive in the state of Florida, and Mike, you can speak to this more than I can, is you have doing this to Latin Americans in a state where you may currently Republicans have the majority of the Latino vote, which that number keeps changing. We saw this in 2020. What did you tell those people that simply, well, these folks don't matter. They're less than they're not really from here. But you Cubans, you, you know, Puerto Ricans. You're all fine. You're good people. But these folks from Venezuela, no, they didn't come in the right way. We're going to kick them up the Hyannis and make a statement. You think that's fine? You think that's fair to the diaspora? (laughs) Again, I say this as a a non-Latino person, but I can't even imagine what what goes through your head when you read this in the paper and think the governor of your state is just kicking people around. Like it's like it's nothing. And then goes on Fox News and has the audacity to say, well, you know, they're bringing in rapists. You literally are pulling that from the Trump playbook. Like to Americans, and I know 40 percent of you, you do still believe this bullshit. You honestly got to get your head examined. And I question anyone's humanity here for a country that prides itself, majority speaking, on being a Christian nation. What we just saw is one of the most unchristian things you could possibly do. Yeah. A couple of things there. Um, first, I want to shout out the immigration attorney, uh, Susan, who actually wrote into the show 
that actually said you guys should look into the reverse freedom rides of 1962. This has a racist historical context. You get into the race part. You know, I hate playing that race card, but obviously you, you don't play it until that very end. I don't want to get into the race part of this because you've covered that uh, and a great job by you, by the way. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Like you said, the humanity part of this, right? Humanity part of this, the legality part of this. I want to know, is this illegal? Is the person who was representing either the state of Florida or, or maybe even Massachusetts and falsely, you know, um, representing another state down in Texas, picking somebody up, taking them to another state. They took them to Florida. Like I mentioned, this has been confirmed through flight logs and things like that. Um, took them to Florida before going to Martha's Vineyard. Where is that illegal? Because that's where I want to get to. The humanity part of it, you covered it. The race element part of this, obviously we know that. Huge undertone there. But is this illegal? I want to get to that. I want to see where the story plays out. Funny you mentioned NPR. Next episode, Jimena Bustillo will be joining us, the political reporter at NPR that's been covering this. She was actually awaiting in Delaware for another flight that was supposedly supposed to be chartered by Governor DeSantis of more migrants that were going to be sent to where President Biden obviously has his vacation home. So more on that in the next episode, we'll get into that with Jimena. But for this episode, when we come back after the break, I alluded to her earlier on, Anna Wolf will be joining us, broke this great story about Brett Favre and what he has been doing to redirect welfare funds that were supposed to go to the poorest individuals in the state of Mississippi, all for a volleyball stadium for his daughter that goes to Southern Miss. Anna Wolf, when we come back after the break. Nick, the presenting sponsor of Can We Please Talk is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, this Pennsylvania company has been making their passion of bringing... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You gourmet coffees from all over the world, roasted fresh, to order in eco-friendly smart roasters. They're committed to quality, service, integrity, approachability, and sustainability. I know you've ordered a few packs there. You're going to tell the people because we all know what a big coffee snob you are. I live the K-Cup life, and I've ordered some of the Colombian roast and the breakfast blend. It's delicious. Your take, sir, on Fresh Roasted Coffee, a Pennsylvania-based company for the man in Eastern Pennsylvania who drinks coffee regularly. Yeah, Mike, that's right. 
you know, shop local, right? <laughs> As right. always. Uh, yeah, I just most recently bought the flavored coffee set, which is six different incredible flavors. That's on its way getting shipped. I had that just ground, you know, for when it gets here. Mike, one of my favorite parts is that they allow you to take a, not allow, what am I talking about here? They give you a quiz just to get a sense of your taste. You know, so I took that quiz. I got recommended Sumatra, you know, just a great single origin coffee. But in addition to that, Mike, they have a great section, just the learn section. If you go to their website, freshroastedcoffee.com, there's a just on, when you click down, there's a learn section. For those of you who are not necessarily in the coffee game as deep as Mike and I are, you can learn everything from how to use your French press, how to use a Chemex. So they're, they're not just selling you coffee and tea, by the way, something That's very right. important. You know, a lot of places try to separate these two ancient beverages, not fresh, fresh roasted coffee. Nope. So they have a huge variety of tea as well. My wife's more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker. So I'm going to be hooking her up. But Mike, it's an awesome company. So many things available on the website. Um, and I think that those who are listeners of the show can benefit from listening to us and purchasing from there, if I'm correct. That's right. Because all you got to do right now, if you're in our show notes page or whatever audio podcast platform you're listening to us, you click the link that's available right there. That link will have a special promo code discount applied to whatever you buy from freshroastedcoffee.com. Head to that link in our show notes page and get in on some of this great tasting coffee today. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. All right. Anna Wolf is joining us here. She's an investigative journalist over at MississippiToday.org. She has been covering this entire Brett Favre story. She broke this story, and we are so excited to join her, to have her join us here on the podcast. Uh, Mike Leon, Nick Saveri. Anna, thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. So, Anna, I was telling you off air a little bit about how I work in the sports realm. Obviously, Nick and I are both sports fans. Uh, Brett Favre is a legendary figure, not only in the National Football League, but obviously in the Mississippi community. Obviously, he went to Southern Miss, and we all know about his accolades uh, in that state. But this story, I think, has flown a little bit under the national radar in terms of what has taken place here, welfare funds that were redirected at a 30,000 foot view, can you take our audience into the great reporting that you've done to break this story? How did this story come about and how did it land on your desk and, and you ultimately reporting on it? Sure. So, um, you know, my experience with the welfare program, that's the program that was targeted in this scheme to misspend federal funds. Um, it's called the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. I got really interested in this program when I started the Poverty Beat at Mississippi Today. Um, I knew that this federal fund was a very um, flexible, very uh, states could spend the money in very broad ways to tackle poverty. So I knew that I could look to this fund to kind of get an indication for how the state is tackling poverty in Mississippi. Um, and so I started looking into this fund, trying to get information about how the money was spent. And I just hit roadblock, roadblock after roadblock 
um, attempting to get information from the Department of Human Services, which is the state agency that administers these funds. Um, fast forward a couple years after I started looking into the program, uh, the, auditors, the auditor's office arrested six people related to a scheme um, to embezzle four million of these federal dollars, uh, temporary assistance for needy families dollars. And one of the companies that received two million in those stolen funds was called Prevacus. It was a pharmaceutical startup company that was developing a drug to treat concussions. And so pretty early on, I was able to tie Brett Favre to this, you know, overall welfare scheme because he was the one pushing that company. He was um, uh, uh, representing that company, trying to get the state to invest in that company. And then after that, we learned that uh, a volleyball stadium had been purchased uh, with $5 million in welfare money. And then over the last two years, we've kind of just learned more and more about Brett Favre's involvement and just how much influence he had over the officials who were allocating these funds. Um, and that kind of leads us to where we are today. And from everything you've seen in your reporting, there's a lot of hurdles and a lot of channels that we're going through to to get to where the story is, but also the actions of a, of a former NFL player. How do you make sense of all these steps taken to support, while famous and important in the state, but essentially a former athlete? How do you how do you make what do you make of that? And what have you seen in your reporting uh, that just sort of breaks that all down? Yeah, it was kind of interesting from the very beginning, you know, again, we we were able to see that this company that was listed in the indictments was a company that Brett Favre was backing, but he wasn't the only athlete involved here. So we learned pretty early on that Marcus Dupree, um, if you've seen the 30 for 30 best, best there never was, Marcus Dupree, um, uh, football player, uh, Paul Lacoste. Um, and these wrestlers, these former WWE wrestlers, uh, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man and his sons were also involved in the welfare program and, um, you know, received funds that were supposed to go to Mississippi's neediest residents. And, you know, I think it's just an example of how Mississippi exalts celebrity and exalts athletes uh, here. You know, we're sort of 50th in everything good. And, but one thing we do really well is we produce a lot of great athletes. And um, I think you saw those, those priorities kind of come through and how our welfare funds were spent. Um, but, you know, it all goes back to how flexible these funds are and how states are really allowed by the federal government to use them however they wish. And so when you think about like, why would Brett Favre be involved in the state's welfare program or why would public officials be interested in funneling money to a character like Brett Favre? You know, I think that um, the money was just there, you know, for the picking. So um, when Brett Favre came to them with these proposals of things he wanted to see funded, um, it was kind of a no brainer. You know, here's a, a pot of money that we can manipulate for our purposes. And from your reporting about the Department of Human Services, it seemed as though that like other divisions and departments in all this, that they're being used essentially by politicians as a way to help to justify the justify expenditures. Is it safe to say that in that case, that the Department of Human Services was almost acting as a front or being used um, just erroneously by by state officials? 
Yeah, that's a kind of a good way to put it. You know, with this all, um, all of this money that was misspent or almost all of it flowed through a nonprofit um, or two nonprofits that were running a program called Families First for Mississippi. So what they did was instead of sending out the grants, um, these TANF Temporary Assistance for Needy Families grants to nonprofits that, you know, provide direct services to people in poverty, you know, um, uh, energy assistance, food assistance, child care, these kinds of things. They sent it to these two organizations that essentially became a black hole for this money. And they weren't reporting any of those expenditures back to the Department of Human Services. So again, going back to where I was saying that I was trying to get information from the department about how this money was spent. Well, all the money was being spent by these two nonprofits and none of that information was then going back to the department. So it was a pretty, um, you know, coordinated, like orchestrated scheme to conceal where this money was going by funneling it through nonprofits that weren't reporting any of that information. So Anna, let, let me ask you on staying on that front, because from your reporting, I read something I want to quote from your report. You said, and this was about Nancy New, uh, nonprofit leaders had misspent at least 77 million in funds that were supposed to help the needy forensic auditors found. New pleaded guilty to 13 felony counts related to the scheme. Uh, and, and Davis awaits trial. That's another person that's involved in this. And then neither Bryant, which was the former governor, or nor Favre have been charged with any crime. I think anybody listening to this, watching this, any realist says, hey, what's going on here? Is there a crime? In your reporting, have you talked to any legal experts? What actual charges could come from this? That's a really good question, because there is a distinction between, you know, something that's a crime like embezzlement or fraud, you know, wire fraud or um, conspiracy, and then just misspending or government mismanagement, right? Um, and so I think you see, you kind of have to look at each expenditure that happened to um, determine, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis, like which bucket that falls into. And so, you know, the $1 million payment that went to Brett Favre to deliver speeches and uh, cut advertisements for the welfare program, for example, has not resulted in a criminal charge, but it is the result. It is um, resulted in civil charges against Brett Favre. Um, again, that's not a crime, but it is a civil charge where he's at being asked to um, give back that money, um, and he's he's also being charged with with another payment um, that he hasn't paid back yet. He has repaid the one million dollars to the state. Uh, anyway. Uh, I think, I mean, your question is going to be answered by grand juries when the time comes um, within this ongoing FBI investigation um, to determine, you know, which players here, depending on their involvement, whether they committed a crime or not. But, um, you know, the, the big purchase, I think, that has made the headlines here recently is the five million dollars that went to the volleyball stadium and someone in this scheme, namely Nancy News son has already pled guilty to defrauding the government by funneling that money to the volleyball stadium and disguising it as a lease to get around federal regulations. So the crime there wasn't just putting the money into something that it shouldn't have gone to. It was disguising the purpose of the payment um, because they said that the nonprofit was going to use the volleyball facility to provide programming to people in poverty. That's how they got around um, the regulations and the prohibition on using TANF for construction. Um, and 
that was the crime, right? It, it's almost like the, the cover up is worse than the crime sometimes they say. So um, in that plea uh, agreement, he has uh, admitted to defrauding the government. And in that uh, document, it says that he worked with others, unnamed others. And so we're, so we're waiting to see if prosecutors are gonna um, hold those folks accountable. And one of the most recent things you'd put out uh, was the release of text messages that we saw between uh, Farb and some of the other um, associates in this matter. What are some other and that felt at the time that feels still at the time the most damning piece of evidence, you know, Farb's asking, you know, is the media going to find out how this is all happening um, in your reporting? What are some of the other just damning piece of evidence that things have just come to light because you've had to do a ton of reporting and digging to bring those to surface? Yeah, I think the communication has been huge, you know, up to this point, um, uh, before about six months ago, we didn't have direct communication, you know, candid messages between these officials in order to kind of shed some light on what their mentality was around spending these dollars. Um, so, you know, these text messages that just came out last week have really captivated the national attention, but there were text messages that I um, obtained and published back in April that showed that Brett Favre was actually offering the governor's stock in that company that I mentioned, Prevacus, um, that he was offering the governor's stock in exchange for his help. And then in the last year of Phil Bryant's administration, um, his time as governor, he discussed this project. He discussed the the progress. He um, was briefed when money started going to the company. And then about a month before he left office, they said, you know, we want to bring you on with ownership now. Um, what can we do? And he said that he couldn't take a company package until he left office. And then two days after he left office, in text messages that I obtained, he agreed by text to accept stock in that company that received $2 million in stolen welfare funds. I mean, I, I think that's, that's kind of one of the more extraordinary um, stories that's come out of all of this. And it, it really hasn't, um, you know, risen to the level of, of the national attention that the volleyball stadium has. And in addition to the work you're doing as a journalist, it's you can't help but wonder as a citizen of the state of Mississippi. And I happen to live in Pennsylvania. Mike happens to live in Florida. But as, as citizens trying to be more informed, because you began the story with the pursuit of understanding TAMF and really how is the money being spent? as an informed citizen and journalist should do. But to ordinary citizens like us or anyone in Mississippi at this point, um, what are some steps we can all take to try to be mindful? And as those kinds of questions come up for us as taxpayers, to be more vigilant about holding our officials accountable beyond the vote? I think that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the uh, ways that I was able to kind of hone in on this story was just looking at what the state advertised and what these nonprofits advertised to, you know, doing. And so we see this stuff all the time, like, you know, average people can see advertising on social media or, you know, you go to a, a, a sports event and there's a booth, right, of a nonprofit offering services. So I think just like being more mindful, more aware of what, um, you know, what kinds of programming is is being offered out there or, what kinds of services these nonprofits are purporting to um, administer and then just keeping our eyes open and like actually asking for the proof or like, you know, if you, if you care about um, this population that I'm talking about, the low income population and you're, 
you know that there's a nonprofit that's doing work in this space, like go to go go to their storefront or go to where they're saying that they are offering services, you know, um, um, offer to volunteer and actually put eyes on what they're doing. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the story out of, I think it was Minnesota. Um, I, I just saw the story yesterday about $250 million worth of uh, pandemic relief in the food assistance area um, misspent uh, not misspent, sorry, stolen, fraudulently taken from this program. And they were reporting wild things. They were saying that they were serving, you know, one guy said he was serving 5,000 kids a day from a two-story apartment complex, um, you know, and, and raked in millions and millions uh, to, to benefit himself by reporting things that he wasn't doing. And so I, I think I, it, that seems like not very sophisticated. It seems like some people with, you know, keeping their eyes open could probably tell that that was going on. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question in the way I'm going to ask it. When typically we talk about welfare, there's a racial tone to it sometimes, obviously. Um, here, here we have a wealthy white person more or less abusing the system in a way that may accuse black people of doing this. Uh, Anna, are you satisfied as you've been making the media rounds lately? Are you satisfied on the level of coverage this story is getting beyond your outlet that covers it at the local? Am I satisfied with the way that it's been discussed? Correct. In terms of, you know, prominent white athlete that's stealing money from poor people that should be distributed to poor people. Have you seen the same level of coverage that the national media can easily spotlight on this and probably fast track this if there are any, you know, anything illegal that's been done that can start to get looked at, right? We all know the power of the national media when they parachute in on situations like this. As you've been making the rounds, are you satisfied with the level of coverage that you're seeing attributed to this? I have been um, pretty pleased with the way that the the national media has um sort of tackled this story right now. Um, I mean, th there have been, I've gotten many interview requests and there's a lot of attention on the story. I am sort of saddened by the fact that it took this name of this athlete, Brett Favre, in order for that national attention to come. I don't know if the story would be getting told nationally right now if it weren't for the involvement of someone like Brett Favre and other athletes that we've seen, um, you know, whose names have been in the news, but the effect on people in poverty in Mississippi is the same, regardless if the money went to Brett Favre or some other, you know, political crony or family member of a politician that might not, you know, capture the national audience. Um, the money wasn't going to people in need that that wasn't happening. And that is the real story here, not necessarily, you know, Brett Favre or any other individual the, the fact is that um, in Mississippi, we prioritize this idea that people in poverty, you know, our leaders really, um, they push this idea that people in poverty are there because of them. And people in poverty are, um, you know, it's their fault that they're there. And uh, we spend the money in ways that perpetuate this idea that, 
you know, people in poverty just need a pep talk from Brett Favre in order to escape poverty instead of looking at evidence-based practices for interrupting generational poverty, which is the primary issue here in Mississippi. I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, no. Well, let me follow up on that because you are doing fantastic work on this and covering this. And like you said, if it wasn't for Brett Favre, maybe it doesn't get the attention, but I want to spotlight your, the organization that you work at, MississippiToday.org. Tell us a little bit about, obviously, investigative journalism. We know you guys can cover. Uh, tell us a little bit about the org and the aims of the organization. Sure. So Mississippi Today is a nonprofit, all online uh, news organization. We operate mainly based on you know grants, foundational support, and donations. And um, we just started back in 2016. And I think you know our our kind of main focus is nonpartisan, you know, down the line, straight news, but also bringing in additional context. So not just your quick hit news, but um, trying to be as contextual as possible in our storytelling. Um, uh, Like I said, we started in 2016 and um, I started in 2018 and I really sort of came to Mississippi today and said, there is not a poverty reporter in the state of Mississippi. There's no reporter whose beat is specifically reporting on poverty. Um, you know, please hire me and allow me to write about this topic. And the first thing that I did when I started at Mississippi today was sort of sit on the floor in my office and, uh, spread out these TANF reports, these federal reports that showed how we were spending TANF money, um, or at least, you know, how they said that they were. And uh, that is sort of how this all spawned, you know, this is uh, what spawned from it. So, uh, so that's what we try to do. And uh, we, we're also totally free and we allow other publications to publish our work. So you can see our articles in a number of local papers, um, because we allow them to publish kind of like a wire service. Um, so that's that's really our mission is to, you know, provide that as a resource to to people. Well, you're doing a great job uh, covering this story and, and all the breaking news surrounding it. You can check out MississippiToday.org and all the great work that Anna Wolf and her colleagues are doing over there. Follow her on social media as well. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the program today. Continued success to you and please stay safe. Thank you so much. Your website should be a marketing asset, not an engineering challenge. Empowering everyone from independent designers to whole marketing teams, Webflow combines the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and places them all in a completely visual canvas. Trusted by companies like Lattice and Discord, it changes the way marketers, designers, and engineers create for the web. Now you can build the site you want without the dev time. Start building for free at webflow.com. Nick, today's sponsor of the podcast is 800 Florals. Nick, when was the last time you bought your your wife, your beautiful wife, Laura? When was the last time you bought her flowers? No, it's not recent enough, man. Oh, see, there we go. Why, why, and how come? Let's let's get into that. Forget the copy for a second. How come? <laughs> I mean, I buy all kinds of different gifts. Um, so flowers sometimes slips my mind. Uh, you know, we do have a rose bush in the back, so I'm like, you know, we got some pretty flowers coming in, but I don't make that intentional pursuit of it though. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm looking to you for ideas, though, of okay. where to go get them. Well, I have one. And folks, you should not copy Nick Zavera. You should be getting flowers for that special somebody that you love. And let me tell you a little bit about 800 Florals. There are roughly 20,000 professional florists in North America that design and deliver fresh flowers on a daily basis. 1-800-Florals is one of those. They've been around for more than 20 years. You can shop products occasions, check out flower delivery. You can even arrange a thoughtful gift of monthly flowers 
for that special someone. You heard that, Nick? So you can set on auto subscribe here and get monthly flowers delivered to Laura's job. And you'll be thought of highly over there now. Uh, All you got to do is head to our show notes page right now to find out more about 800 florals. There's a link in our show notes page. It'll take you right to them. Use that link and you're going to get a special discount when you check out and buy those fresh flowers. Check out 800florals.com today. Our thank yous there to Anna Wolf. Uh, like I mentioned, MississippiToday.org. You can check out all the work that her and her colleagues are doing over there. This has been a, a crazy story. She's been following this story for a while. The former governor is Phil Bryant. Uh, so obviously, if you're thinking, well, isn't Tate Reeves the governor right now? He's not involved in this. The former governor was the one that helped Brett Favre secure this welfare funding for the University of Southern Miss it was volleyball stadium. And a lot of this was found, like she mentioned, not only combing some of these reports, but also she was able to obtain the text messages and the exchange. If you don't know, Brett Favre's daughter obviously goes to uh, Southern Miss. He's obviously an alum as well and played quarterback there. So if you're thinking, uh, why was he funding it to the University of Southern Mississippi? There's your answer. Um, Nick, you know, on a high level, high surface level, my takes real quick on this. Um, Prominent athlete, Brett Favre has kind of been in hot water for other text messages to another person, another female in a different way. You can check out that story online. I'm not going to go into that right now for those of you that don't know it. But um, I've been seeing different shows covering this. I've seen Anna, you know, from NBC. She was on the Lebertard show recently as part of Metal Metal Arc Media, excuse me. Um, We invited her on because I think we spotlight local journalism, but then there's there's stories like this, like at the local level, this really affects everything happening in the state. She mentioned it. Mississippi ranks in the bottom, not only from education, health care. We see what's playing out with the Jackson water crisis. We see the insensitive comments that the governor made joking about his his largest state, right? The state capital. There's just a lot going on in Mississippi and her organization is doing a great job of spotlighting that and letting other publications, like she said, run with the stories. But for her to break this news, I I, I agree with her what she said there. I don't think it gets the attention if it's not Brett Favre, if it's not the face of Wrangler jeans. We've all seen the commercial of him throwing a pass in Wrangler jeans. By the way, nobody plays football in jeans, uh, Brett. But like there's there's a lot there, but there should be more of an emphasis from other media orgs. We've seen now black, prominent black athletes, Shannon Sharp and Terrell Owens come to mind specifically that are like, why aren't we talking about this more? This guy, for lack of a better term, embezzled or worked with in conjunction with somebody else to embezzle money that was going to poor people, to help poor people through these programs. And he redirected it for a volleyball stadium for his daughter at his alma mater. I don't know if it's illegal, because I, again, I'm not a lawyer, neither are you. I can't speak to the legalities of it. But I will say on the surface, it's horrible. And I don't see the attention being devoted to it. And the reason why we wanted to include it in a segment here. Give me some of your overall takeaways as we sign off for the people here. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I'm reminded because you know, Anna tells us the story that she began this, you know, studying TANF in terms of, you know, funding for for needy families right um you know she's sitting on the floor just looking at all these different reports you know, and she basically does what for any fan of the wire particularly of the character of lester freeman did she followed the money you know on the show lester of course was quoted as saying if you follow drugs you end up with drug dealers but you follow the money 
and you don't know where the hell it's going to take you. Right. That's exactly what happened here. You know, the question began with, you know, how are we spending this money? You know, federal money comes into a state. This happens with any state, right? Pennsylvania, Florida as well. And then you ask yourself as a journalist, you know, are we tracking this? You know, and one thing Anna's doing is she's just simply asking as an informed citizen, as a journalist, you know, what is this all being done on the up and up? If this is for needy families, is it truly getting there? That's where this began. In her reporting, she finds out the answer is no. And to what other former athletes are saying, that's absolutely true. Because I remember for sure, you know, at the time of Michael Vick's situation involving dogfighting, and he's guilty, obviously, and he's done his penance, he did his time. Mike, when that story broke, we saw every outlet in America outraged all over the country. People were angry about this. Friends of mine who are dog owners to this day, who are also sports fans, cannot stand Michael Vick, have the most nastiest things of saying about him. All of it warranted. This is a horrible thing to have done to animals. We're only... I feel only a couple of weeks into the cycle, only a couple of days into this cycle. That story about the text messages is only fairly recent, um, but I'm not seeing that same level of anger. And this particularly is insulting because historically, when we think about welfare, as you brought up, on, as you brought up in the interview, we do tend to think about people of color, particularly we tend to think of black people. And that, by the way, fans of history of this show, we can remember this with the Reagan administration. The Reagan campaign in the 80s put forward the idea of welfare queens, this visual of black women that we said, you know, they're the ones using the system and all this horrible racist rhetoric. And here's a guy who literally used the system to his benefit. And the story is there. The work that's being done in Mississippi today is vital to this. And we're going to get into the benefits of local journalism in a minute. But yeah, Mike, I'm with you. I'm not seeing this. Yeah. I'm not seeing this plastered all over ESPN. I'm not seeing this plastered all over all the networks as we did with the case of dogfighting. And I do have to ask the question, why is that? Because this seems seismically at a bigger level, and it's certainly affecting human beings at a more direct level in the form of people who are looking forward to who need this money, having it not available to them because a person with enough money wants to go use public funds to build a volleyball stadium. Right. Say that sentence out loud. All you got to do is say a sentence out loud and you realize that's wrong. Building a volleyball stadium or redirecting funds that are supposed to go to needy folks. We have to leave it there. Um, check out, like I said, MississippiToday.org if you want to read all the stories that Anna and the team have been doing over there covering this. Uh, follow her on social media over on Twitter. She's a great follow now covering all of this and breaking this. Speaking of Twitter, social media, IG, TikTok, Twitter. You can follow us at Can We Please Talk Podcast on Twitter at Can We Please Talk youtube channel you want to watch the video of this interview and all the interviews we've done on this program head to can we please talk podcast on youtube you can type that in we should come right up and hit subscribe for us there uh shout out to Acast, our hosting platform we can't do it without them and we can't do it without each and every one of you i thank you each and every week i mean it from the bottom of my heart you listen you watch good bad or indifferent on the comments i can't thank you enough as always i am mike leon and a proud supporter of local journalism, as well as you all should be too. I'm Nick Saveri. We'll see everybody next time.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.